Hello, I'm Rena Grobe. And I'm Madvi Romani. And this is Misinformed, a show where we'll be talking about our latest internet obsessions. So Rena, what did you get obsessed with this week? As probably absolutely everyone who lives in Germany or the German-speaking world has seen, there's been a lot of anger around a VDR, which stands for West German Broadcast, had a panel discussion featuring five whites of a certain age, and they sat around and they discussed the topic of racism. It was called Die Letzte Instanz. And of course, it was pointed out by multiple people that A, a lot of the things they said were super problematic and privileged, and B, kind of odd to have a discussion around discrimination and only have white people of a certain class and privilege level and age represented. So this week, I've just been thinking about what does this mean on a grander scheme in terms of white people having conversations around racism and discrimination? What does this mean in terms of the public broadcasting world? And how do we move on from here? And how do we have good and worthwhile conversations around this topic moving forward? Yeah, I mean, it's so stunning that you have a discussion on racism and you don't include a person of color or a black person and it's not like those people do not exist in germany there are so many prominent journalists experts who could speak on this topic to no end so why did they then decide to do this it would be like having a discussion on sexism and discrimination against women and having five men have this discussion. And to me, it's mind-blowing that they just put together this panel and they never, it never crossed anyone's mind that this is totally stupid. How? I mean, I guess that's what happens when you have all the same people also all working and you have no diversity within the structure of the broadcaster, right? Yeah, so this is one of the very first things that I was thinking about. I was listening to a Clubhouse talk. It was a super fascinating talk by a bunch of journalists and just public personas around this topic. And we mentioned her a lot on this podcast, but Helene Fallos was in it. And she pointed out that actually in the Rundfunksvertrag, there are certain stipulations. If you don't know what Rundfunksvertrag is, it's a contract, basically that outlines all of the rights and responsibilities of the public broadcasting network. And one of the things that is stipulated in the contract is that you have to have two representatives of the Catholic Church, you have to have two representatives of the Protestant Church, you have to have one representative of the Jewish community and one representative of the Muslim community. And this is the minimum quota of people who have to be on this Rundfunkrat. And the Rundfunkrat is actually super important because they are the people who have the final say. So they're the very top of the public broadcasting. So on the one hand, obviously great that they've recognized that there's a problem, that we have to have a certain quota so that it's not just a bunch of the same, same people. But having one person representative is still kind of pathetic and a little embarrassing because if you look at the WDR Rundfunkrat, it's overwhelmingly like the talk show, white and of a certain age. And these are the people who are making the decisions about what is shown on our public television. It has been pointed out, for example, that they make the stipulations that people of certain religions have to be represented, but the same is not true for atheists. It has also been pointed out that other minorities within Germany 
are excluded from this quota, for example, the Sinti and Roma, they don't have representation, or it is not stipulated that they have to have representation in this public forum. I find it very strange that it's split along religious lines, and I think this has something to do with Germany and religion. Mm -hmm. It's funny that religion is still in today's world where a lot of people increasingly are not religious, and this is how these things are kind of structured. Yeah, hence why I think the criticism that no one who's atheist needs to be represented. But you just mentioned Ellen Fares. That's a really easy person. She's a journalist, a moderator. She could be on that talk show. Actually, this is one of her topics, because she's Syrian-German, and she's actually quite specialised in this kind of topic, but nobody thought to invite her. Yeah, that's the other thing, actually, I wanted to say, is that these panel talks for me, as a non-native German speaker, I find the way that they speak really difficult. I find the way that she explains things and the way that she speaks accessible, and that's another type of access diversity barrier for people. I mean, I think it's obvious, but let's not overlook or forget to mention the fact that the entire fact that they did not see it appropriate or relevant that they invited somebody who was not white onto the show is racist in itself. And then they did make some racist comments about the Sinti and the Roma. This is not unique to Germany. I mean, if anyone's seen The Hunchback of Notre Dame, watch Peaky Blinders, followed Jason Momoa on Instagram. You know that people generally do not realize or do not care that the G word is a racial slur against the Sinti and Roma. Also, for all our English-speaking listeners, the term Sinti is only used within the German-speaking world. It's actually not used in English. If you go into a German grocery store, you can get Zigeunersauce, or you can order Zigeunerschnitzel, which translated means gypsy sauce and gypsy schnitzel which in 2021 is absolutely ridiculous. And considering the fact that the Sinti and the Roma were victims during the Holocaust, and that it is estimated that between 500,000 and 1.5 million Sinti and Roma were killed during the Holocaust, they have their own term for it. It's called porashmos, sorry for butchering that. One of the reasons why the number is not as concrete is because until 1982... The genocide of the Sinti and the Roma was not recognized as such in Germany. In fact, it was through the vigilant effort of the Zentralrat der Sinti und Roma, which is a German activist group that works to shed light onto the suffering and the persecution and oppression of the Sinti and Roma. It's through their vigilant effort and all their hard work that it was even recognized as a genocide. It was the Remembrance Day for the victims of the Holocaust a couple days before this show was broadcasted, so it seems just like it's always a bad idea to make jokes about other people's oppression and other people's lives, but it kind of feels like not only, you know, if you stuck the knife in, now you're twisting it because it's a couple days after the memorial, and you're on a publicly funded television channel making incredibly racist remarks about a persecuted group of people. It's not a good look. It kind of reminded me the whole thing about this debate over Robin D'Angelo. She's the author of a book called White Fragility, Why It's So Hard for White People to Talk About Racism. She is white. And during the Black Lives Matter protests after the murder of George Floyd, books on race skyrocketed. And hers was at the top of the list of the New York Times bestseller list, 
which is amazing because black authors have been writing about racism for ages and ages. And then comes along a white woman thinking about the issue. And again, in a similarly kind of racist way, all the white people are like, oh, she's white. I value her opinion on this entire topic above all of the people who are actually feel this topic and know this topic from first-hand experience, as well as having worked in the field for ages. And Robin DeAngelo has made a lot of money with her book. She also consults, she does diversity consulting, can you believe it, for like somewhere between 15,000 to 35,000 for 30 minutes to one hour sessions. So the woman, white woman, is doing diversity consulting to big companies like Goldman Sachs or whatever, just so that these companies can feel they're like, oh, we've done something about diversity. But the whole idea, again, is just racist. It's just white people talking to white people about a thing that they have no idea about, but the thing that they think that they know better about than anyone else. So apparently, it's made her a reported $2 million so far, just the book. And then, of course, there's this consulting on top. So a white woman has profited off basically racism. And she said when she was questioned about this, that she had given it to anti-racist organizations, some donations. But the Washington Free Beacon reported recently that once they began investigating her claims of charitable donations to racial justice groups, which includes kind of rent to Native American tribe that once lived in Seattle, she took them all down. So days later, the page was edited and D'Angelo promised to donate 15% of her after-tax income, suggesting, as the Washington Beacon said, that she had not previously, as the page exhorts, given a percentage of her income large enough that she could feel it. So she's also lying. Many people have pointed out that her book is racist. There's a really good article written by a linguist who teaches at Columbia University. His name is John McWhorter. He's a black man. His conclusion about this book is, few books about race have more openly infantilized black people than this supposedly authoritative tome, or simply dehumanized us. So there are many problems that he goes into, that many people have gone into, about how a white person framing racism begets more racism, like it's racist in itself. So she's talking about the fact that all white people feel uncomfortable talking about racism. But she says they all feel uncomfortable because they realize that their kind of race had something to do with the subjugation of people and their privilege is born out of this system and that all of their reactions are a result of this sort of fragility. One thing that she asserts is that when white women, for example, cry when they're confronted about racism, this reminds black people of how white women used to cry when they used to accuse black men falsely of rape. But like, as a white woman, how does she know this? She's just asserting this stuff. Or she frames all these really great African-American people, Martin Luther King, Robinson, who's a baseball player, Obama. It just sees them through the angle of white fragility and takes away their agency and their achievements in a world where it's not being viewed through this one lens of white fragility. So it's super problematic, the book. It's no good for racism. Everyone's buying it, which is a racist act in itself. She's been lying about who she gave money to, and she's been profiting grossly off racism, a topic that she probably should just not talk about. And in fact, in her book, one of her things is white people should stop 
centering themselves and talking about it and listen. But she's not doing the same, so it's super problematic, the whole thing. It's very similar recently, back in January. There was an article that appeared in the Tagesspiel by a white woman called Wenn Weißsein zum Mackel gemacht wird, which means like when being white turns into a thing. It just means like when being white is bad. And in it, she calls out a black German journalist who tweeted, hey, if you really want to be an ally, when you get hired for a job, maybe just check who the other candidates are. And if you're, you know, a white person with a lot of opportunity, maybe this is the right time to step back and let someone else have this opportunity. The white journalist who wrote this article just lost her shit, basically. And I think this is why you were mentioning before that racism against white people mm -hmm. in German was trending. And I think this is part of the reason why, because people are being like, oh, now I have to give up my opportunities, and oh my god, it's becoming bad to be white, and just... Can I just say one thing about this really quickly? You have to give up your opportunities. Yes. That's sorted out. Continue. Yeah, but she was basically just not only criticizing this journalist for tweeting about racism, but she was basically saying, this woman, she's a black journalist, and she's making money off of this. She's making money off of educating people about racism. And then, like, that's kind of mind-boggling when you think about the fact that a group of white German people went on TV on a panel discussion and were 100% paid a ridiculous amount of money to be there and just felt like it was their place to talk about race. Robin D'Angelo writes books. And also, this person who is writing about race, the white journalist, she also got paid for writing about race. And she was giving a slot on the Tagesspiegel. Why? Because everyone on that editorial board is white and thinks that's an opinion that is worth hearing. It's actually not an opinion that's worth hearing. It's so small-minded. And just to set another thing straight, yes, black people who are educating about race or commenting on race or writing about race should be paid. Yes. Absolutely. And Amanita Belli, she's also a black German journalist, moderator. She's very active on Instagram. When this talk show or this panel discussion on the VDA went out, She posted being like, I don't have the capacity to talk about this right now. And people got really mad. They attacked her and they were like, you need to talk about this. You need to have an opinion on this. And she pointed out, she's like, I don't, like, I'm a person. I have to look after my own mental health. This has been a really exhausting and that's so draining to hear stuff like that and to have this discussion flaring up. Because on the one hand, it's your fellow black journalists are being attacked in the Tagesspiegel for trying to educate people on race. And then when a group of white German people says some super racist thing and you just don't have the emotional and mental capacity to talk about this thing, you get shit on as well. It feels like they can't win no matter what they do. People are always going to have demands and be angry about it. Poor girl, leave her alone. Yeah, I agree. Just because you're black or just because you're woman doesn't mean that you owe society and everyone who asks your time, your resources, your effort, your mental, emotional space. You don't belong to everyone. You do what you want. It should also be said that People were asking her this on Instagram, which, yeah, you know, you can make money from Instagram. You can do sponsored posts and whatnot. But people were asking her to post about this in her stories. So people were asking her to do a bunch of emotional labor for free. Yeah, John McWhorter, who wrote this article about the White Fragility book in The Atlantic, says something super interesting. So he says, in, in 2020, as opposed to 1920, I neither need nor want anyone to muse on how whiteness privileges them over me. 
nor do I need wider society to undergo teachings in how to be exquisitely sensitive about my feelings. He's talking about the book. But it's quite interesting that when you ask a black person to comment on a thing, maybe they just have nothing to say about it, or they don't want to, or they're doing a whole bunch of other stuff because obviously they have lives that are rich and whatever, and they shouldn't just be made to just do this work. Mohammed Amjahid wrote an article for the Tats entitled Schützt euren Akku. Jede Woche liefern deutsche frische rassistische Fehltritte. Wenn people of color jedes Mal gegenhalten müssen, kommen sie zu nichts anderes mehr. Which translated means protect your batteries. Every week there are new missteps by Germans. When people of color have to react and push against us every time, we're not going to get anywhere. And it's so unfair. I was watching, which is slightly problematic in itself, but anyway, Hidden Figures. It's the film that's based on the book. The book is really good. The film is... It's got a bit of a white saviour thing because Kevin Cosner is a white man who breaks down barriers of racism in a way. But apart from that problem, it's got great actresses in it. It's a great story. The book is really good and the story is really inspiring too. It's about all of the black women engineers and mathematicians who were the human calculators that enabled NASA to go to the moon and launch into space. And there's this really good scene where a woman is just so angry about race at some point. She's a black woman. She's just like, ah, oh, she's just raging about it. And the other two black women are like, do we have to talk about this? Let's not focus on that. And they're not focusing on it. They're focusing on mathematics, on engineering, on their relationships and all other things. And yes, it's part of their existence, but it's not everything that they are. And it's not everything that they need to focus on because if they just focused on the injustice and the racism every single day, they would not be able to move. So on that note, here are our three things you can do this week to be a better person. Thing one, we love her. Follow Ellen Fades on Instagram. We'll leave a link in our newsletter. She's really good, especially if you are not a native German speaker, but want the lowdown on race and other issues, all political issues in Germany. And she's really accessible and everything she says is on point. Also, her dog's really cute. Thing two, a new campaign has been started in reaction to all of this called Kein GEZ für Rassismus. So if you don't know, in Germany, you pay a Rundfunkgebühr, which is like a public broadcasting fee. And this campaign has been started by a group of women because they want to eliminate the racist content that the public broadcasting houses are making with our money. Because as the public, we actually don't have that much say in what gets produced. So follow the hashtag and give these women a follow on Instagram. We'll link below and we'll also put it in our newsletter. And finally, please do not read or recommend White Fragility by Robin DeAngelo. It's a bunch of trash. Instead, you can try reading Hood Feminism, Notes from the Women that the Movement Forgot by Mickey Kendall. Thanks for listening. Until next week, goodbye. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you like, you can share your internet obsessions with us. Tweet us at the underscore miss underscore informed or follow us on Instagram at the underscore miss underscore informed. You can also send us an email at misinformed.podcast at gmail.com. You can also listen and subscribe via YouTube for news about the show or upcoming events and links to all our sources, references and other geeky inspiration. Subscribe to our newsletter. You can find the link via our Instagram. We are an independent, 
nonprofit podcast. If you would like to show us some love, you can make a one-off donation via our SoundCloud or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash misinformed. Thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye.